you know, you develop wisdom and discernment over time and repetitions by making mistakes and doing it wrong. And I've done it wrong plenty of times to realize that there's some of these things that I can't overlook anymore. I can't avoid anymore. And the longer I do, the more problems it causes. So as soon as I start to feel that pressure, that uncertainty or that uncomfortability coming up, it's being curious about why you're feeling that. There's a reason why you're feeling it. And the reason usually is that there is a need for you to follow that urge or that intuition to tackle it and either delegate it, bring some outside source in that's a very high level expert that can handle that for you. Or you got to take it on yourself as the business owner to be able to have an understanding and an expertise for yourself and condense time so you, within a very short period of time, can start making educated decisions to help driving the business forward. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, where being a high achiever doesn't necessarily equate to being an effective leader. Let's check to see if you're in the right place. If you're rising through the ranks of your organization so fast that your leadership skills need to grow as fast as your responsibilities, you're in the right place. If it seems you need different skills to lead your team or lead from within a group of talented, competitive peers, you're in the right place. If you're looking to become a trusted advisor to the CEO, you are definitely in the right place. So now that we know that you're in the right place, enjoy today's conversation. Before we begin, I have something for you. Have you not read Only Tens 2.0 yet? If you've been listening to the show, my guess is you have read it. Would you like to give away a copy to someone you care about, someone who's struggling with time and energy management, someone who needs to focus on the important things? Well, if you go to markjsilverman.com, click on the red resource buttons, we have put a free copy of Only Tens 2.0 for you to download, and you can upload it onto your electronic device of choice. I hope you enjoy. So this fall, before even before the Rising Leader podcast was uh, ready to launch, I was at a mastermind, and uh, there was a lineup of speakers, and I was waiting for the next speaker and standing in the crowd. And you know me, I'm not really that comfortable in large groups of people. And this dashing, this dashing man, you know, like looks like Superman comes up to me, shakes my hand, says hello. And I recognize him as one of the keynote speakers. And I said something like, oh, so you're meeting people in the crowd before you get on stage because that's what I do because I get nervous. So I do that first. And he says, and he looks at me kind of weird and he says, no, I just want to meet cool and interesting people. And that's when I knew who my next guest is, just a genuine good human who is you know, doing his best in the world and doing pretty well at it. Officially, Jeff Jefferson K. Roger is the founder and CEO of JKR Windows, which in its first five years has brought in over $40 million in revenue and is now approaching 100 employees. Jefferson achieved the success after overcoming a two-decade struggle with alcoholism and addiction, which is something that we share. He's got a book coming out soon called All In, Get Unstuck, Accelerate, and Go Further Faster. Should be out in the spring. And we all know our families are really important to us. Uh, his greatest source of pride comes from being the husband to Shandell, who's amazing. I met her and their three beautiful kids. Jefferson, thanks for being on the show. Wow. Thanks for the intro, Mark. Appreciate that. I forgot that that was you that said that. I remember you saying that. And I was like, what do you mean? I just love meeting people. <laughs> yeah, no, because I'm, I'm not great in the crowd. Uh, I'm an introvert and, uh, you know, it's a bunch of pretty people. I'm the oldest guy in the room. Just a lot of stimulation for me. And you came up and I wanted to say something cool and like, we're both speakers and we're good. And 
Yeah, no, that didn't work. But uh, you're such a good, genuine guy. Uh, listening to your story made it all the more interesting. So, you know, you weren't always this guy running a $40 million business uh, on top of the world. You know, this was a journey for you. And I think the thing that you started your, your talk on was you were a natural born leader, but you were terrible at it. And I'm curious, take me through the journey from getting kind of getting sober, getting your shit together, and then starting building a company. Yeah, it's been uh, a long road dealing with addiction, starting from an early age you know, 14 years old. I think I drank the first beer at 13, smoked weed for the first time at 14. And it led to many, many years of hanging out with questionable people and being at the wrong place at the wrong time and some bad karma. And I always knew that I was meant to do greater things with my life. And I had been reinforced that thought throughout my life because I had great parents that believed in me. I was named after my dad. My mom was just incredible at instilling, instilling confidence in me and being the oldest of four brothers, you know, I had to, she had conditioned me to believe that that was such a great responsibility. So it was a blessing and a curse to have my mom say those things to me because for a lot of years I suppressed that with drugs and alcohol. So I didn't have to deal with the responsibility. And then, you know, I wanted to joke about it and play it off as I was incredible at partying. <laughs> but, uh, you know, eventually I'd had enough that my conscience had played enough tricks on me and I was ready to make some changes. And in 2017, I joined a mentor program that changed my life. I spent the last bit of money that I had in my bank account and I joined a mentor program that would eventually lead me to over the next three months of joining that mentor program, I made as much money as I had in the, you know, the previous year. Here's an, here's an endorsement. There you go. And within a couple of months after that, I'd started my own business and it just completely changed the trajectory of my life forever. And now five years later, you know, it's, it's amazing the amount of things that have happened. So you were already married. Did you have children when at, in 2017? I, I don't, I know your kids are young. I don't know how young. Yep. I had three kids. So you already had three kids. Uh, and you made and you made that change, and you bet on yourself, and you opened up a company. So you're you're told that you're the responsible guy. You're told you're the oldest brother. You're wearing this mantle, and now you're in charge of a company. You're kind of a hard driving guy, probably a hard act to follow, especially after getting sober. What was it? What was it like now trying to build a company? Other people are now responsible for your success. You know, I just uh, I was a few minutes late for our meeting today because I was in a meeting. And being the type of person that I am with the expectations that I have for myself, it is, uh, it's a balancing act, understanding and learning how to deal with people that are in much different stages and many different stages of their life and their career. So I'm on a meeting with my marketing team and there's all these things that that old version of myself as an early leader in the process, I can feel these temptations coming out to just like light people up. And it's like, what in the world is going on here? And I feel like losing my mind sometimes. Cause that was my, that was the, the reactive Jefferson. That was my early stages of leadership. I had no filter. I would just let loose on people. And it's not a very good way to lead people because you lead them straight out the door. 
So it was your it was your drive and determination and that and that fire that actually got you to open a business, start a business, you know, and lead a business and step into that role. But ultimately, that also was was the the edge that was detrimental. Like you lost some good people in the beginning. Hundred percent. Yep. And one of the things I think that the best leaders have is they have this sense of how they make people feel and how they feel when they talk to people in a way that isn't conducive for a positive relationship and a great environment and culture. So even though I have those feelings still, I'm better at keeping myself regulated and responding with this positive outcome in mind than just letting loose on people. So I'm still, you know, I'm still working on it. I'm not the best. I have high expectations and I, you know, my people know that I expect big things of them. So especially when, you know, these are reoccurring conversations, it gets frustrating. But, you know, one of the the things that I'm the most proud of is the, the progress that I've made as a leader and a communicator to be able to convey things in a way that that don't just discourage people and make them feel belittled, but encourage them to do better and take one for the team and be doing things that they know that they should be doing, even though that it's extra work and it causes stress, it forces people to take a look at the way that they're doing things. Is it right? Is there a better way to do it? Can I be more efficient? How can I show up better for my team and contribute in all these levels that help represent the core values of JKR Windows? Sure. Take me a little bit on the journey of self-discovery. How did you figure out the impact that you have on people? Because you're an imposing figure. You have high expectations of yourself and you've got so much energy and so much presence that you can blow people right out the, out the door with that intensity. How did you start to learn, oh, you know what? I have to learn how to modulate and throttle this uh, in order to be more effective. What, what milestones along the way showed you how to do that? It was mostly those moments when you blow people out of the water and you make them feel like shit and you had good intentions but because of the reactive way and the emotional way that you went about it, it changed your dynamic with that person or with that entire group of people that you were speaking in front of. Mm. So there's, there's a lot of these things that I had started to just get tuned into and they were how I was making people feel and how I felt after that happened. And, you know, when you make people feel that way and they're belittled and they're kind of taken down a couple of pegs, Certain people like the military style of discipline and and leadership or management, I guess you could say, it's effective in some arenas. But for business, for my business, the kind of culture that I wanted to have, I was ultra sensitive to how it was affecting my relationships and my business and the direction that I wanted to go, but I wasn't necessarily prepared for yet. So each step of the way, I've, I've read hundreds of books, mostly on leadership and communication because that was my biggest pain points in the areas that I knew that I needed to work on the most. And I never wanted to make people feel like that again, ever in my life. I would prefer that I can handle this better next time, stay regulated, stay composed and be thoughtful with the way that I handle these situations. So I never make another person feel like that again, or lose another person because of my own reaction. My specialty is coaching guys like you. I'm known as the guy they bring in to take the bull in the china closet and teach them some manners and teach them communication skills. One of the things I do when someone's really not aware of how much, how they affect people is I, sp- I have them spend a week just noticing how people respond to them when they walk into a room. 
And I said, your only homework is to just notice, do people shrink? Do people grow? How do people respond when you walk by them, when you're in a conversation with them? And what comes back is always eye-opening for them. What was the feedback loop for you that you started to learn? This is, this is how much pressure I can apply. This is where I need to throttle back. What, what kind of feedback loop? What permissions did you give to your people? What outside help did you have? You know, I've worked with a lot of great mentors and coaches over the years. And then, you know, all these books that I've read are essentially my mentors as well and people that sometimes aren't even around yet. So I've gotten a lot of a lot of downloads from a lot of different directions. And I've taken just these little pieces of information that apply to me that I need to work on the most. And then I, I go and kind of test them on people. And when I walk into a room like this morning, I walk in. And I've gotten to a place now where I still feel like a couple of the people that work for me are at that place where whether it's their own insecurities or lack of confidence because of their performance, but they respond differently to me than some of the other people who are more confident and we're at a different place in our relationship and they're, they don't have the, the level of insecurities that some other people have. So I can, you know, that's something that I feel like I'm getting more and more aware of because I want to walk into the room with, you know, 100% confidence, knowing that I'm an addition to this environment and not ever a subtraction. And over time, because, you know, it's such an important aspect of business and leadership, you have to develop a sensitivity to that. So you can be aware and make changes and and to be the the leader and the presence in your environment that's necessary for growth. What, so, what what are some of the books that uh, that you would throw at someone immediately for leadership? The Five Levels of Leadership was one of the first ones that I ever re- read, and I've read it two or three times since then. Listened to it a couple of times. That's by John Maxwell. How to Win Friends and Influence People. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team is another great book. Such a good book leadership and self-deception. Each one of them has something different. And, you know, some of them like that, the five dysfunctions of a team is more of a story and it kind of gives examples and it's in a a fictional format, but it's just an incredible example of the dynamics of a team. Yeah. I actually use it in my leadership team meetings. I I actually teach what uh, Patrick Lencioni teaches in that. It's it's useful. Very useful. And then how to win friends and influence people. I've maybe read that one six or seven times in the past 12 years. And I absolutely love that book. And it's, it's, it's a timeless piece that teaches you communication and empathy and understanding and being present and listening. And these were, when I read that the first time, it was like, I couldn't put that book down. It was difficult for me to read because it's, you know, Dale Carnegie is, you know, he's old and he's got a different way of talking. And, and I'm, when it comes to reading and comprehension, I have to read things multiple times to kind of for it to sink in. But those were all things that really resonated with me as the things that I needed to work on the most. So it was just such a powerful book to begin with. And so it's, I always, that's one of the first books I recommend every time, depending on where somebody's at in their journey, the five levels of leadership and how to win friends and influence people are an absolute must if you're starting to get into recruiting or developing teams or or leadership at any level. 
Outstanding. So you're, you know, again, family is so essential to you. So having a relationship with your kids and your and your wife, uh, your health is, you know, first and foremost in 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 your world, and you're driven to success. How do you balance those things? How do you find, you know, how do you know when one's off? How do you know, you know, when to pay attention to each each quadrant of your life? You know what? I've had this funny relationship with balance. I'm still trying to figure it out. I even just wrote it in my book the other day. You know, we're making final revisions. And if I heard this concept from Grant Cardone years ago when I was first starting to get into personal development and reading books and balance just seemed like this thing that I wanted nothing to do with. Because when I was so focused on my business and personal production, there was no balance in my life. So I would always try and come up with a way to explain it and to feel good about it because, you know, I've got these people that love me and they're trying to encourage me to have balance in my life. And it was like this negative energy that I didn't want, or it was like perceived as negative, like weakness, like take your weakness and keep it to yourself. Cause I don't want to think about balance right now. I'm focused all my energy in one direction. I'm all in, in this direction and there is no balance, but now over time, it's like they're, you know, there's a place for it. And the more that I understand it and reflect on it, there is an importance in your life to have, if it's not balance, it's, it's harmony or integrating all of these things. So they're all working together. But right now, you know, I'm working on my business. You know, my health is very important to me. I'm writing a book, you know, I'm developing leadership. Your marketing is insane. We're expanding <laughs> marketing. There's all of these things going on. And then I'm a proud father and a husband and my kids and my wife are the most important people on this planet to me. So being intentional and being home at a time where we've got some, some really quality time together, there's so many things that they just all have to harmonize together. And I've got a booked schedule. Like my calendar every single day of the week is completely booked and my wife has control of it. My assistant has control of it. And I'm trying to just set expectations with everybody about where's the boundaries. I need to spend this much time here. I got to carve out time here because I've been putting this off. But there's some things that are non-negotiable. Like my once a week date nights with my wife on Fridays, non-negotiable. Nothing's going to take that slot. Doesn't matter what it is. If we're out of town, you know, we'll consider that a date because we're there together. But there's uh, we're only here for just a flicker. And I could literally, I was just talking about this the other day. My love language is words of affirmation. I don't know if anybody's read that book, The Five Love Languages. I've read that one three or four times as well. I love it because I've needed to understand my wife's love language because it's at the complete opposite end of the spectrum of mine. What's hers? Hers is quality time. Mm -hmm. And mine is words of affirmation. And quality time is probably the last one for me because if she tells me how buff I look, how incredible I'm doing, how great of a leader and a father and a husband that I am. I've literally don't need to see her or talk to her for another month. I'm the same way. Just tell, tell me how amazing I am and I can eat on that for a year. <laughs> but she's not like that. And so she needs lots of love and attention and appreciation. And she wants to talk on the phone and she wants to spend time at night talking about my day and how things went and the meetings. And it's, it is uncomfortable for me. Like I, I still can't get why it's so uncomfortable for me. And I have this like resistance to it. So when I'm doing it, 
I'm not trying to rub it in her face or anything, but I've told her before that when I'm here and I'm present and I've put my phone away and I'm very intentional about this time that we spend together, it's because I love you with all of my heart. And I want this relationship to be the best at every given moment that it's ever been. And, you know, I hope that she in those moments realizes that this takes a lot of energy out of me to be this intentional with this thing that is so on the opposite end of the spectrum of what my needs are. Right. Dude, I'm tearing up. That's I, I can feel it. The, the amount of effort you do put into it is the love. And it's just, it's really beautiful. Thank you. So besides your relationship, as, as far as your leadership journey is, because your your freaking company's on a rocket ship, so you're gonna need you're gonna need to you need to be a different person six months from now than you are today, and then two years from now you're gonna have to be a different person and a different leader. Where are your edges right now? I think over the last year, the most development that I've made has been in the technical areas of the business. I put off looking at the finances and understanding accounting for so long because it was uncomfortable for me. And I knew it was going to take a lot of work. So I've been ultra intentional about the time with the CFO and my time in the books and understanding the books and the accounting and the coding and the differences in cash flows and profits, gross margins, net margins. A year ago, you know, a lot of these phrases I'd never even heard of. And I'd been in business for four years. So then on the on the marketing side, on the you know, the training and the developments, the processes, the automation, the CRMs. I've been deep into the weeds on all this stuff so I can understand it. And as we go to the next level, I'm a part of the decision-making and I'm a part of the meetings and I'm, you know, I've got great people, but there is, there's a certain thing that with your pride in the business and your expectations and the way that you perceive things, as the owner and everything's on your shoulders, if you're not part of those meetings early on in the process, before you've got like really high level C level type of CEOs and things, those are, those are important things for you to be able to make educated decisions on as a business owner. So things are moving in the right direction. Cause there's now at this level, any one of these decisions could put the company in big trouble and we got to be making good decisions and we got to make them fast. Yeah. You know, I keep hearing how you're stretching into the finest, you're stretching into part of pieces that are uncomfortable for you. When you're looking at where to put your efforts, it's on the things that you're already good at, double down on those things and really turn those into a rocket ship. And sometimes yeah. it's shoring up the shortcomings. How do you how do you figure out where to put that energy? It's kind of an intuition, but then it's also there's a little bit of this concept of importance and urgency that I try and pay attention to. So there's some things that seem important, but they're really just kind of an urgent thing that aren't that important. So the more that you can be present and you're, you don't have all this frenetic energy built up because you just feel like there's so many things going on, you're, it's building anxiety. The more that you can be making these quick, precise decisions in a calm manner the more that you can pay attention to where things are just urgent and they can wait and they can be passed off and delegated versus the, the more important aspects of the business that need to be addressed. And it's the responsibility of you and your COO to get this done. You can't delegate this to somebody who doesn't have the experience and the, the weight of the decision. Brilliant. So it is, man. It's uh, It takes time. You know, you develop wisdom and discernment over time and repetitions by making mistakes and doing it wrong. 
And I've done it wrong plenty of times to realize that there's some of these things that I can't overlook anymore. I can't avoid anymore. And the longer I do, the more problems it causes. So as soon as I start to feel that pressure, that uncertainty or that uncomfortability coming up, it's being curious about why you're feeling that. There's a reason why you're feeling it. And the reason usually is that there is a need for you to follow that urge or that intuition to tackle it and either delegate it, bring some outside source in that's a very high level expert that can handle that for you. Or you got to take it on yourself as the business owner to be able to have an understanding and an expertise for yourself and condense time. So you, within a very short period of time, can start making educated decisions to help driving the business forward. But I keep hearing from you, which I wouldn't expect, because again, you run 100 miles an hour or and you project that you run 100 miles an hour, is you're constantly saying, I feel into this. I check my intuition. I check my gut with this, which would tell me that you're way, you're in tune with, with your life. You know, you're not just in your head running 100 miles an hour and going to be a supernova and burn out and die, right? It's, it's you're, you're in your body, you're in your world. It's really impressive. I bet, I bet the gym has a lot to do with that. You know, you're just, you're in your body and you, you know the wisdom there and you get to understand that. It is, it's so important. Health, if you don't have your health, you don't have energy. If you don't have your health and longevity, you don't have what it takes to be able to go and, and very clearly operate all day long with high energy and enthusiasm as whether that's a sales leader or a business owner, an entrepreneur, or just a, you know, a manager within your department, you got to be showing up for your people with energy and enthusiasm and a little piece of the vision from your CEO or your president to be able to pass that along to your people. And, you know, one of the things that make the best leader or manager or CEO or entrepreneur is being in tuned with your feelings with your emotions and with these gut feelings. Like I was just in this meeting earlier and there's some remarks being made and there's this intuition, like this, like this burst of energy, this just came into me like a flood of information, like a download. And I immediately got my phone out and I wrote it down before I forgot, because now I got to have a conversation with not only one person, but probably three or four people within my team that there's some type of energy around this one particular person that they're, they're starting to feel different about this person. And, and it's my responsibility to recognize that and to tackle it right now before it gets any worse and just go have one-on-one -on -one conversations and get a little bit of information about what's going on. I can tell that there is some tension here. Let's find out what it is and let's address it. You know, there was another little incident with, with the numbers and the expectations. And there's another area that I'm falling short in was, you know, just recognizing when these things are falling short and it's my responsibility and it may not even be my responsibility, but I'm the one that noticed it and I'm the one that's got to get it addressed. You're giving practical illustrations of, of the power of being present, noticing those things and then not passing over it and acting on them. It was just a little feeling, a little something. I got to check on that. And you're going to go take an action on that. And that's going to pay dividends down the road. There's so, there's so many potholes that you fill in because you notice those things in your present, it makes a huge difference in the, in the future. Last question. Besides your family, because we already know that those are the, that's the most important thing, what are you most proud of? I'm pretty proud of myself. Why? It's something that I'm trying to get better at. So, you know, I could make up something and I'm proud of my team and I'm proud of, you know, the things that we've done. 
but I haven't given myself a ton of recognition or celebrated much of the wins over the past five years. And I'm, I think it's important that you enjoy the process and that you recognize the, the sacrifices that you've made, the work that's gone into it, the development that's, that's happened over a very short period of time. And man, I'm proud of what I've done. And the man you created yourself to be. You know, I'm, I'm 60 years old. I got sober at 27. Up through my 50s, I lived with the weight of what I had done, what I hadn't done, who I was back then. And something about turning 60, I finally realized, holy shit, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not a broken person. I'm pretty badass that I had that start and created and built this person. But it took me to 60 to actually take a look at myself and go, good job, Silverman, really good fucking job. So Jefferson, good fucking job, man. Thank you, sir. You created something really uh, special with your family, with your business and with yourself. And I appreciate you coming on. So when is the book coming out? So we should have it coming out within the next three or four months. We're just finalizing all the revisions and the cover. I'm getting the acknowledgements and the foreword and the conclusion all wrapped up right now. I've got some quotes that we're working on from a couple other high level authors that are friends of mine that they're going to be contributing as well. And then we're going to launch it out. I'm, I'm actually meeting with the book launch team this week to talk about all of the back end stuff and all the promotion and marketing and becoming an Amazon bestseller. So we've got, I got a great team that I'm working with. I'm excited for the book to come out and it's going to, it's going to change lives. The, the reason that I wrote this book is, you know, everybody's talking to me about why you're writing it and what's your funnel and how you're going to collect leads. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought people yeah. just wrote books because they were good people and they wanted to share all the lessons that they'd learned in their life. And every one of these people that I'm talking to are all focused on how I'm going to make money off of it. It's like, that's not why I did this. Maybe on the next books, now that I know that that's a thing. But I was inspired by somebody who had been through a, a similar journey and had made it out. And they, they got into a different lifestyle, surrounded themselves with different people. They pushed themselves, had high expectations for themselves and changed the trajectory of their life. And it changed the trajectory of my life because then I could see that it was possible for people like me, for people like him to do something special with their lives, even though they had effed up for the most of their early stages of their life, there was still a chance and I can start today. And I want to be that inspiration for, even if it's one person that 20 years from now, I get an email or I get a letter, I meet somebody in the grocery store and I know it's going to be more than one person because I've already have a ton of people, but this is, that's what fires me up about doing the things that I'm doing is now all that mess that I created for myself, I get to share with other people and tell them that it's possible for them to change their life and to be able to make an impact and be an incredible father and a husband, a communicator and a leader and go out there and change lives everywhere you go. Even with just a smile walking through the grocery store door, you can change people's lives. Man, I, I feel it all the way over here. I'm doing a keynote at a, a sales kickoff or a, a tech company next week. And the topic I chose is, if I can do it, you can do it. And it's exactly that same thing. Where I came from, what I accomplished in the same arena they're in, they have no excuse. If I can do it, they can do it. I can't wait to read your book. Please let me know how I can help uh, and support you. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Best place to find me is on Instagram, at Jefferson K. Rogers. And... You know, shoot me a message. I'd love to connect, talk business, family, relationships, leadership, communication. Those are all my favorite things to jam on.
Yeah, don't don't follow him on Instagram if you don't want to be confronted with who you could be, what's possible. Uh, his Instagram is ridiculously good. And I do suggest you follow him. We'll put all those links in the show notes. Jefferson, thank you for sharing yourself with us today. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you having me on. To everybody else, I really appreciate your time and attention. I love you. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for joining today's conversation. If you got value, please share the episode, give us a thumbs up, write us a review. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question that you have, send them my way. Look forward to connecting on the next episode of the Rising Leader Podcast.